0: Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom and think. My name is Sam Dover. I'm a senior research analyst here at Mintel, writing reports on the UK beauty and personal care market with a background in fashion and retail analysis. Today, I'm joined by Simon, Gabby and Matthew to discuss Mintel's 2030 Consumer Trends. So, can you please eat, introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your role at Mintel?
0: Hi, I'm Simon Moriarty. I'm Director of Trends for the EMEA region. So, I look after the content that is created in this region uh, and also spend a lot of time talking to clients and presenting
2: our global trends and our consumer trends around Europe.
1: Matthew, do you want us to go next?
2: Okay, I'm Matthew Crabb. I'm the uh, Trends Director for Asia Pacific. Um, so I deal with all the uh, trends content as well as the uh, tier two lifestyles reports in Asia Pacific and in India and Thailand specifically.
3: Great, and Gabby. Hi, I'm Gabby. Lieberman, and I head up the trends and social media sections in the Americas region, so U.S., Canada, and all of Latin America, and that includes anything related to how consumers talk about brands and topics online, and also from a trends perspective, the the global view of that, working very closely with Matt and Simon. Amazing. Thank you very much. So before we start, let me
1: start off by saying Mintel clients can check out the full 2030 global consumer trends by logging in. Um for everyone else, please head to Mintel where you can download the free report. So this year we've taken a new approach and we've identified seven drivers that shape are going to shape consumer behavior over the next ten years. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys um, but can you can someone one of you tell me briefly about the seven drivers and why those have been identified as? the core of the future of consumer behavior.
2: Sure. Yes. I mean, we are taking a new approach. Um, the new approach is really based in uh, response from Mintel's clients. We did a consumer uh, a client survey rather <coughs> in 2018 so last year. Uh, and the feedback we got from that is that our clients want to uh, better understand how all of our great content joins together. Uh, also to understand uh, how we can uh, track changes in uh, consumer behavior, uh, and even better, uh, be able to forecast that into the future. So this is how we, uh, we decided to create the, the consumer drivers, basically taking uh, content that we were already tracking and simplifying it to make it easier for people to understand and be able to track uh, changes in consumer behavior and different aspects of consumer ha- behavior. So essentially, what we did was uh, we developed the drivers, Uh, we uh, looked at how we could track um, consumer behavior using our globalized uh, surveys uh, so that we can start to see patterns in uh, changes in consumer behavior across the globe, uh, and also. uh, across different demographics within countries and be able to start to see a picture of how consumer behaviour is changing in different places, according to different markets uh, and in response to different sectors.
1: Amazing. So for anyone who hasn't had the opportunity to download the report yet, um, what, are the, you know, what are the seven drivers that we've identified?
2: So the seven drivers are well-being, surroundings, technology, rights, uh, identity, Value and experiences.
1: Yeah, so that's all incredibly interesting, um, and as I said, the report goes into so much depth. Um, but I think one of the things that really struck me when reading through the report is that different drivers might impact people in different ways, and have a you know some will have more of an impact than others. Maybe um, you might disagree. So, from each of your perspectives, which which of the drivers do we think are going to have the biggest impact on consumers?
0: Well, I think. All of them are going to have an impact on consumers. I think what we'll see and the benefits of having 2030 trends means that different drivers will impact on people in different ways between now and 2030. So I think we'll start seeing the impact across different areas. Um, the likes of well-being, I think, will see more immediate impact on consumer behavior because people, we're already seeing people are more engaged with or interested in solutions that maybe a few years ago would have been seen as kind of out there and a bit, different to what they're they're used to, and there's been much more demand for kind of bespoke um, health and beauty solutions in particular over recent years, which I think will will start impacting uh, across many more consumers around the world over the coming years. So I think the well-being driver will start to have an impact um, relatively quickly on larger numbers of, of different markets.
3: And to echo Simon's point, well, while well-being is one that's kind of front and center for consumers now, it's important to note that, these drivers are not in isolation of each other, that they play alongside. A consumer can feel driven by you know, all seven at one time, potentially. One maybe is stronger at one point. Presenting this stuff to clients already, we're already hearing how clients want to hone in on just two of the seven drivers for the time being because of a particular project, but really want to say, okay, but I want to know about all seven for the long term. But today I want to hear about just two. So we're kind of having to lay the the groundwork for our clients, set the stage of all seven, but really dig deep into just a few for today. So that's why we built out the timeline view, which the three of us felt was really an important perspective that we gave clients the 2020, 2025, and 2030 to to kind of take clients along that journey.
0: Yeah, I think I always talk about this in the the sense, if we're talking about what will happen in 2030, we're going to be wrong about the majority of the things that we suggest because no one knows what is going to happen tomorrow. You can't be 100% sure about the future. So the timeline approach really helps us build up uh, a picture of the consumer landscape within that 10-year period based on all of the different innovations that we're seeing at the moment and the things that we are seeing bubbling under the surface um, and the things that we are predicting that will kind of emerge into the consumer landscape at different points across that 10-year stretch.
1: And just to confirm, are these going uh, keep to keep evolving as we go along? So say next year, are we going to have you know a release and where, where we'll kind of update these or...?
0: yeah they've been built with the intention that we can we can always update the content. We'll always be adding new examples of the trends manifesting themselves around the world as we do now with our existing consumer uh, trends database um but yeah, the timeline as well it, it gives us that flexibility to start looking at different kind of periods of time within a ten year period, so we'll always be updating and reviewing these drivers um, and seeing how they play out over the next uh 12 months five years and 10 years is going to be really interesting um for us to see how the predictions that we're making now will start to kind of really take shape in the real world
1: interesting no pressure <laughs> um, Matthew. Have you got any thoughts on which if there's any of the kind of drivers that kind of speak to you particularly or you know you think are going to have a big impact on consumers
2: um sure i mean <clears throat> in many ways just to to echo what uh, gabby and simon have been saying i think again you know uh by tracking these drivers over time, using the the, the research, the consumer research that we do, we're actually able to measure uh, quite accurately um, the changes in consumer behavior, and therefore be able to see which uh, particular drivers are showing more strongly at a particular time. Uh, for me, um, you know, in the Asia-Pacific region, uh, technology is a huge, hugely significant driver. Uh, in the way it's changing people's habits, um, but also more recently surroundings. You know, uh, the growing concern about environmental degradation, so on and so forth. Uh, and again, you know, this it's it's a balancing act. It, it changes over time which drivers uh, become more important uh, and, and are driving um, the more strongly uh, consumer behaviour.
1: Interesting, amazing. So I've got a few questions about the drivers themselves. Um, So first one is the surroundings driver. From a reader's perspective, when I was going through this, our forecasts for 2020 are pretty gloomy. There's this kind of impending sense of doom as you're reading it. Um, But actually looking further ahead, it sounds like this one's going to come full circle. And so the outlook for 2030 it's far more optimistic do you agree Matthew?
2: Well I'm always an optimist I've worked for Mintel so I've got to be <laughs> <laughs> I think um, yeah I mean for me surroundings is, is an interesting issue because again um, I think when people start talking about surroundings as a driver uh, at the moment in, Generally, people immediately latch onto the big global issues, which, of course, are important. And, um, but it's, I think it's really important also for our clients and the brands that we work with to think about the, the more local aspects, which tend to be more um, intimate with, with consumers uh, and, af- and affect them more directly. So I think, in many ways, when we're talking about surroundings, we're not just talking about the bigger picture. It's, it's also talking about people's local surroundings, their local communities, uh, the places that they shop. Um, how they um, interact with brands on a personal level. Uh, so again, it's, it's, it's a, a balance. You know, when you're talking about something like surroundings, you could be talking about those big global issues and how they might be affecting people and, and causing sort of um, you know, worries about the future. But at the same time, how can brands help people uh, and consumers to uh, you know, achieve something in themselves uh, and I think many of the many things that people are looking for is, is for brands to lead. Uh, and from the consumer survey that uh, we've already been doing in Asia Pacific, we've seen that in, in some of the uh, more advanced markets, consumers are leading uh, the demands for changes in, in how brands uh, uh, deal with uh, their surroundings, whether it be the environment or the uh, more local communities. Whereas in more developing markets, perhaps that's not at the forefront so much. They're still um, more worried about value, for example, or or coming to terms with new technologies. Um, But we see potential there for clients to lead in the the discussions around surroundings, whether it be on a global level or local community level.
1: Interesting. Anyone got anything to add to that?
0: I was just going to say as well, I think... It's, you mentioned that the the kind of immediate um, surroundings driver and how it's playing out, seem, it does seem quite gloomy. I think because we are focusing on bigger, you know, the bigger kind of environmental issues in particular that are very front and centre, you know. And, and currently, as we're recording this, there's um, massive environmental catastrophes happening in Australia and in um, in Venice. So I think while it is it is negative, there are negative things happening, I think what will happen, which is more positive, is that, these things are suddenly becoming much more real to a lot of people and they're having a genuine tangible impact. Um, it's no longer far from home. It's no longer affecting, you know, from the European point of view, it's no longer affecting countries on the other side of the world. It's affecting places that people know that people visit um, on holiday. They they have friends and family there. Um, so I think what we'll see as a positive outcome is that governments, organizations, brands will be forced to do more to work together to provide those solutions from the environmental point of view and, and kind of protect people within their local um, and the more kind of national and transnational environments that they live in.
1: Interesting. And yeah, and I mean, I think you kind of touched on it a little bit there, but I mean, I can't, I suppose a lot of it's kind of becoming a lot more real as well because of how much kind of access to information we've got. And I feel like everything seems a bit closer to home these days. Um, and I think that links into my next question quite nicely. Um, so in our rights driver, we talk about cancel culture and how this is going to create a rift between consumers and brands. Now, I could be, you know, stating the obvious here, but Gabby, can you kind of firstly tell us what cancel culture actually means, and then also on top of that, what kind of rift rift do we foresee um, coming, and how can brands protect themselves
3: against that? Yes, of course. So I love this term. Because it's just so spot on. So it's it takes its roots in you know a, a person, a celebrity being called out for something, they've been canceled, right? So it, the teens are really driving this. Social media, it, it's a driving force behind this. The, the, really the power of that to join together, be very effective in a boycott that's the, the swiftness of it, right? To cancel a person. So a lot of celebrities you can think of who um, just quickly everyone comes together and like, nope, they've been canceled. Um, So simply put, it's just when people don't like something. It's effective. It can be really exhausting. And You know, people are starting to push back against it because that there's the endless cycle of it. But what we're seeing and how it ties back to brands is brands are also being pulled into this when they get their messaging wrong. And how, and it really ties back to how under attack I think people really feel today. So when brands are being tied into it, this is, this comes back to this idea of consumers want to be want to have brands, relationships with brands that are a reflection of them. So a lot of brands now understand that the, their leaders need to, um, present a public image that consumers align with their values and their ideals. So if, a uh, you know, a leader comes forward and maybe presents an image that consumers don't like, they'll get called out immediately, social media backlash will happen. And so, you know, what does that mean in a social media world, how quickly that spirals out of control? So we're seeing that happen time and time again. So brands are kind of getting pulled into this. And again, the core of this, I think, is that, the under attack of what everyone feels like today. So This is the today, the cancel culture, how quickly this is happening. So where we see this evolving over the next decade, we really believe is that people are, ty- are gonna tire of this, right, and so while this has relevance today and wanting to hold people accountable, that will still hold true, but I believe people will move toward a more thoughtful and less reactionary discourse. So maybe that's a little more hopeful than we're seeing today. But I, I genuinely do believe that, that the core of the accountability and transparency will hold true and will move toward a less reactionary.
1: Interesting, yeah. And I think that kind of speaks to all the kind of brands who are increasingly having to just hold their hands up and say, we did something wrong, you know, it's, it's not, you know, we're doing our best and that's it, mistakes are gonna happen. And so yeah, definitely interesting point there. So now, Simon, I'm going to come to you now. Um, So something else that really stood out to me was the discussion around value. So from my perspective, I think I feel like value is one of those things that is hugely different person by person. Um, I really want to know, If you agree with that and how you think that's going to play out in terms of that driver, how you think that's going to play out going forwards, are people actually willing to let go of things like price sensitivity, et cetera, in in search of quality? Um, And in the report, we also discuss, you know, this, the rise of more people appreciating artisan values and how do you think that's going to impact big companies as an example?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Um and I think you're right. It is it is one of the ones that can mean very different things to to individual people. And kind of going back to Matthew's point at the beginning. The fact that it will mean something different at a different point in that person's life. So, as with all of the trends, they're kind of constantly moving and changing. But I think value, in particular, it's something that people already have an idea of what they think when they when they're thinking about value. They have kind of a closeness to the different areas of their life. So, whether it's about cost consciousness, uh, whether it's about the value of the product, whether it's about the emotional investment they're making um, in something, whether it's a, a product or a service or their interaction with other people in their in their community, um, I think. We're not going to see price sensitivity disappear. I mean, for large numbers of consumers all around the world, price is always going to be the most important driver of purchase uh, across every single market. People are more... There is positivity in terms of, um, in the EMEA region, certainly um, more positivity than there has been for a while in terms of uh, things like um, job security and financial security and a kind of positive outlook for the next 12 months at least. But people are still very careful about how they spend their money. Um, so we've seen changes over time, recent times where there is more investment in, in things like memories and experiences rather than big ticket products. Um, people want to share those experiences with their friends and family and colleagues. Um, so I think that's going to continue to develop. And we're already seeing brands starting to kind of focus on the experiential more than the, the kind of product itself, um, which is also um, benefiting the retail market because it's a way to drive people into shops rather than shopping online for example so that's how it's impacting from the the retail point of view and the the kind of cost consciousness i think that will remain because people are so used to checking prices and and share you know kind of checking against other outlets and seeing if they're getting the best um, deal Um, but there is demand for quality because when people do make a purchase or make an investment they want to make sure that it lasts it's something that they are invested in so they they don't want to be ripped off they don't want to get something that they think is shoddy i mean that's always been the case but i think people nowadays are much more willing to kind of push back uh, against those brands that they think are offering them a lower quality product or service than they deserve as an individual um so i think that's where artisanal kind of plays a, a little part in that because we're looking at the kind of the physical provenance of products um people may be looking at that more as if they're making a bigger deal of what they're spending their money on than looking at things like the, the provenance, the quality of the materials, who specifically has made that product. Um, all of those things are going to become more important as factors, but they'll sit alongside things like cost consciousness um, and how easy it is to buy something or how quickly it will be delivered. And so all of these things are going to start kind of coming together. Um, and I think in terms of how companies need to react, they just need to think more about the consumer's individual needs rather than we sell a product the person the people will buy it because people can buy different versions of that product from anywhere else um you know online shopping proves that so it's about those big companies the big brands that are used to kind of selling mass market products understanding that each of their customers and potential customers is an individual person with individual needs and an individual definition of what value means to them
1: yeah interesting and i think that kind of is one is one kind of example of how it really showcases how these trends are kind of kind of quite linked in ways because i mean we were just talking about before that idea of calling brands and calling individuals out for bad behavior and i guess that kind of links into that idea that people are informing themselves and really starting to take more of a you know an inf- looking to kind of make more informed kind of decisions about what they're you know doing spending their money on etc so i think it's yeah it's interesting how they all how all the trends seem to play together and play against one another
2: yeah i was gonna just add so i make it clear that i totally agree with everything that simon said (laughs) Um, but one of the other aspects of value that um i wanted to pick up on is that it's not just about money so people value for example time so this plays in uh, when we're talking about brands, we're talking about convenience really here. So it's it's the balance between uh, monetary cost and 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 the convenience of having things to hand, so on and so forth. Uh, so that's the more immediate one. And then certainly things like um, as people get older, we're talking little looking at a bigger issue. You know, what what are people going to do with more time, or do they have more time because they're working harder to make more money? Uh, So again, you know, when we're looking at this from a driver perspective, time is also a value uh, that needs to be taken into account. And, and, you know, when brands think about their consumers, uh, not only uh, should they be thinking about uh, their consumers getting value for money, but also the value for their time.
1: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've got one final question for all of you. Um, as I said earlier, it's a lengthy report, so and there's loads of really interesting stuff in there, so everyone should definitely go and download it and give it a read. But from each of your unique perspectives, what do you think the key takeaway from Intel's 2030 Global Trends is? Or are, What are the key takeaways? Matthew, I'll start with you.
2: Okay. Uh, it's a good question, actually. Um, for me, it's really exciting, actually. Uh, it's, it, for, for us, it's a real sort of bold step into the future, uh, something totally new. Uh, but again, it's something that we're going to be tracking over time. And I think, again, it's that whole point of linking it to the, the, the research that we do, tracking changes in consumer behavior and being able to, to interpret what's going on and being able to supply better information to our clients about changes in uh, consumer needs uh, and how that might be affecting their businesses. And I think that uh, really comes back to the, the new uh, Mintel's new value proposition, being experts in what consumers want and why, and being able to tell our clients uh, with much more uh, specific detail what is going on uh, and what we think that means for the future and, and what uh, our client companies should be looking at and thinking about for, uh, in terms of their business strategies. Uh, and what sort of data they need to be thinking about in terms of uh, quantifying uh, the potential opportunities and, and threats to their businesses in the future.
3: Gabby, do you want to go next? Sure. So you had touched on this earlier that maybe in the in some of the what's happening now and the drivers, it can seem a little gloom and doom. And yeah, there's a lot that you we can be worried about over the next decade from a political and economic, maybe uncertainty and climate change. But as Matthew said, there's a lot to be excited about. And especially in technology, I think we'll reach some real tipping points in 2030. We're going to be a very connected world, even more so than we are now. And, you know, artificial intelligence and robotics will really show up in every part of the life. And just the possibilities are endless there. So I'm very excited about that. And then from a real social and cultural standpoint, the key takeaways there are just how much more aware we are of the impacts of our always on mentality. We talk a lot about this in the 2030 content piece about that need to disconnect and do nothing in the experience driver. We talk a lot about that do nothing component and how we'll shift potentially to a shorter, more productive work week and allow ourselves just time to chill out, right? So we talk a lot impacts of loneliness and isolation and the technology and the connectivity. So, I think just collectively, we are growing um, more aware of the need to, while technology can be really great and the impacts of that, the need to disconnect. So, just I think overall, the key takeaway is just a more awareness collectively of just what we're all doing together and the need to connect and disconnect more thoughtfully. Amazing. Thanks, Gabby. Simon?
0: Yeah, it's kind of similar to what Matthew and Gabby have talked about. We've the three of us have been working on the twenty thirty project for probably the last eighteen months, and it's been really interesting and exciting to see how those drivers have, have changed even up to this point. And I think just from a kind of personal point of view, as a consumer, as a human, one thing that's kind of fallen out of all of the trends and, and because they are there's so much crossover as you said, this idea of of what it will mean to be an individual and, and what community will mean. The developments we're going to see there I think are really I think there's lots of room for positivity Um, seeing how people will respond to helping other communities those communities that need support Um, how will people respond to perceived negativity in politics or in uh, the growth of movements that they don't agree with for example Um, and how people almost as a follow-on to the kind of shutting down and, and having time for ourselves I think that will have a really big impact on how we treat one another as kind of human beings, and and kind of understanding that that everyone is individual and everyone has their individual uh, needs and hopes and requirements and expectations, and and how we as individuals can support one another over the well, not just the next ten years, hopefully, but much further in the future.
1: Amazing, thank you. Um... Yeah, so thank. I just want to say thanks for taking the time to come and talk about our trends. I'm, I mean, I'm really excited to see how these seven drivers evolve over the next 10 years. Um, and on that note, I'm going to wrap up this session. So don't forget, this is just a snippet of Mintel's 2030 trends. Mintel clients can check out the full 2030 global consumer trends by logging in Um, and for everyone else please head to mintel.com where you can download the free report if you want to know more about Mintel who we are and what we do please head over to mintel.com follow us on social media we're on LinkedIn Instagram Twitter Facebook and check out our blog thank you for listening make sure you subscribe rate and review this podcast and if you would like what you've heard today spread the word and we will catch you next week for another episode of our little conversation thank you